All right. Wow, what a challenging morning this has been. Uh, getting here has been really challenging. Um, I'm uh, Brian. I'm uh, past the. I'm the other Brian. We have another Brian, a better Brian. Uh, but I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Church 21, and um, I take care of. I oversee shepherding at Church 21. All the care ministries, all the things that help people uh, who wrestle with suffering, and that's everybody. Uh, I'm sure. We all have suffering in our lives, and um, so I oversee those different things, even the premarital, because getting into marriage is getting into a different kind of suffering. I'm not saying that marriage is bad, okay, but marriage is one of those mechanisms, one of those graces that God gives us to reveal our hearts, okay? And uh, marriage is kind of a little bit like what I'm going to be talking about today, because Paul is talking about going out on mission, okay? And he wants us, he wants us to know, sorry, headsets moving around, that uh, it's on mission that God reveals our hearts. It's on mission that he, he tests our hearts, and we see where our unbelief is, uh, I do a lot of counseling, and it's a lot about unbelief. People have been hurt by others, but people, when they're hurt by others, are, are, um, attribute lies to themselves, and they live according to those lies. And then they become truth in their mind, and they become blinded to the real truth, and it's up to uh, God and engaging with God in his word and being on mission and doing the will of God that the, our, our hearts and what we believe that's wrong is revealed. And so this is what Paul is going to be is talking to us about today in Romans chapter 12. Um, and so we have these new discoveries in our heart uh, while we're on mission, while we're being counseled. Have you ever, and I, I feel like we all have had this, I know I've had this, and I'll tell you a significant story, have you ever believed something to be true, and then uh, new information is brought in, and suddenly what you thought was true is completely not true, and like your whole world can be turned upside down? Um, a little hint, anybody here who believes in Jesus, that's happened, and I'll explain why that is in a, in a bit, uh, but I have a story. When I was 10 years old, um, I had just come to this country, I've been here for two years, and uh, I was learning French. I was in a French immersion school, and um, so, well, French immersion to me back then, by the way, was if you spoke English, you paid five cents, so I was paying a lot of money back then, because I didn't know any French whatsoever, but I was learning, and uh, I had this amazing teacher, Madame Francine, and when I say amazing, I'm trying to be really charitable, because actually she was really mean, and she was really harsh, and um, I was a very insecure, uh, fear of men, I was like really afraid of being rejected and everything, and so every time she opened her mouth or said something towards me, I felt like it was horrible, heavy criticism. Uh, and, and this is how this lady always made me feel. Awesome teacher, by the way. And she also wasn't very diplomatic. So here we are in class, and I have this situation where we're in a big circle, and we're asking questions. I guess she was trying to get people to use their French, ask a question in French, we'll answer the question in French. And... Somebody put their hand up and they said, okay, my question is, where do hot dogs come from? And that wasn't my question. I heard the question. I go, oh, okay. I know where hot dogs come from. So I raised my hand 
like the lamb led to slaughter. I raised my hand and I said, I said, uh, I know where hot dogs come from in my best French. I don't even know if I said it in French properly. Probably was paying a lot of five cents at that point. Anyway, uh, I said, they come from cow's udders. I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old. And yeah, I know you're laughing. It's funny. It's funny. I can laugh at it now. But back then, when I said that, my teacher ridiculed me. And she encouraged the class to laugh at me. And I felt so small and so rejected and so discouraged and so hurt. And it was just a, it was a really traumatic experience for me. And, and I don't say this to make you feel bad about laughing. It's good to laugh. The only thing I do want to warn you is if you have little brothers or sisters or if you're parents and you have children and you tell them jokes like, cow, like hot dogs come from cow's udders, try to correct that within like a 24-hour period. Because otherwise, if you're stupid and 10 years old like me, you're going to go out into life. It's like, I know where, cows come, where hot dogs come from, you know? And you might say it and you'll get embarrassed. And that, so that's what happened to me. So I felt rejected and humiliated, and I didn't know it then, but what happened to me is I processed that, and I believed a lie. I attributed a lie. I, attributed, I, 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 I developed this thought process that you can never be certain of what you know. And so I tried to structure my whole life around doing things and making sure I was certain of what needed to be done. So much so I became insecure and very careful about certain things. And it, it, it really shaped the way I grew up after that for the next, say, 20, 30 years. Um, and one way that I realized in my early Christian life how it affected me was when I needed to know what I needed to go by. What's the rules? What's the, what are, what are the, uh, what are the, uh, what's the framework that I need to proceed in leadership? And then somebody who was in leadership of me would come in and say, well, we're going to change things. And it felt like I was doing something wrong. And it crushed me. I, I'm, I'm really good uh, about people. You know, like, so somebody will say, oh, Brian, I think we're going to do it this way. Oh, okay. But inside, I'm dying. And it was really hard for me to function as a leader because of that. And it could actually uh, sideline me for days just pondering what did I do wrong and how could I have avoided that uh, moment where I felt criticized and ashamed. They didn't do anything wrong. They just said, hey, we're going to do it this way. No problem. But for me, my whole world was, was dire and difficult and it was really, really hard. By God's grace, in, in a process of discernment, of uh, learning why that was like that for me, I was freed of that. And that's why I, with you, can laugh about that situation today. But as you can see, events in our lives, when things, when information changes, uh, it can affect us all. And uh, we tend to medicate. I had my own ways of medicating my life. Uh, and uh, I, don't, I won't share any of that with you at this point, but... Um, this happens to all of us. This happens to all of us where we believe lies and we either can turn to God to see the truth, but most of us, we haven't even met God yet, so we don't even have the ability to turn to God. And so we turn to other things. We turn to uh, you know, sexual immorality and 
other medications, alcohol, drugs, uh, people-pleasing, you name it. We We try to control people. We try to control our situations. In our text today, I think Paul is trying to be care, care for us in uh, Romans 12, 1 to 8. And he's trying to show us that, that there's a different way, but he understands. Like when Paul speaks to us, what I saw, this is what I saw when I was reading Romans 12, uh, preparing for this, was that Paul knew, Paul knows that we don't always see everything clearly and that we need Christ to reveal it to us. And so I'm going to read, uh, read that text again for us today. He says in chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 8, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. In the one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. So Paul, at a very high level, is saying, we don't always see life with clarity, so we need to seek clarification. Paul tells us not to look for clarity in the world, but to have a strive, to strive for a clear sense of who we are through the mission of God. Paul encourages us actually to go out on mission, to use our gifts, and that's where we'll have the most clarity. So Paul knows what it is to be blind to the truth. See, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. In Acts, um, here, let me forward this off. I don't know, it's not working. You can do it, that's great. So in Acts 9, 1 to 6, uh, we see who Paul was before he met Jesus. Uh, It said, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that is, believing in Jesus, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. See, Paul was on a mission for God. He was, he, he, he was a, a Pharisee. He was, like, he was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing in the name of God. He was persecuting Christians because they were teaching something that, wasn't, that seemed like to him against the law. 
So apart from Christ, Paul did not have a clear sense of who he was or what his mission for God was. In fact, Paul describes his life this way in Philippians 3. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. What he means here is that he was part of the chosen people. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. This is God's chosen people, and this is who I was. And as to the law, a Pharisee, which means he was part of the strictest sect, the strictest sect of leaders within, within uh, Judaism. And as to zeal, this is a bit self-explanatory, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. So before Paul met Jesus, he was self-sufficient. He was proud and self-absorbed. He was blind to the truth. But in Jesus, Paul's eyes were open. And then he, and therefore, because he knows Christ, he can die to himself and live for God. He describes it this way in verse 8, Philippians 3.8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So what changed for Paul? What can change for you and me? Jesus changes you and me. Jesus changed Paul. See, God created this world and everything in it. So the text that we're reading today, Paul starts off with therefore because he talks in chapters 1 to 11 about how God means to rescue the world through Jesus Christ. And so he talks about the fact that we rebelled against God. God's creation is self-evident. That we become, become blind to God's righteousness and God's glory that we are plain to see in creation. And we rebelled against and we exchanged the truth of who God was for a lie and we became blind. And Paul says that no one is without excuse. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. There's no one here today that can say that they have it all together. Not one. And this is the most amazing truth. Micah, if you could put up Romans 8, 5. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And what are the implications of that? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he, he, he took those sins and he put them to death. And because of that, we can have new life in him. We can live a life in the spirit, what Paul is talking about here on earth now, and forever with God in heaven. Jesus rescues us. Jesus changes us. Jesus transforms us. We're forgiven. And we're made new. If this is your first time hearing about Jesus, if someone brought you here today, this is something that is, this is your 180 degree turn today. This is where you're being presented with a truth you may not have heard of before or may not have heard like this before and you need to consider, is this where the rest of my life starts? Like Paul, is this where you get knocked off your horse? Is this is where you die to yourself and now live 
for Christ. When we're saved through Jesus and we're empowered by his spirit, our eyes are open and we find ourselves on the mission of God. Um, we don't get saved. It's, it, it's a state of being, okay? When we're rescued, when we're reconciled with God, now we are reconciled with God, where before we were en- enemies of God. So now here we are, and it's, just, it's, not, it's not just a, okay, now I'm saved. I'll wait. It's not that. When we're saved, when we're rescued, we find ourselves on mission. When Paul uh, was knocked off his horse, he had to get back on his horse, even though he couldn't see for a little while, and he had to go to Damascus. And after he was able to see, and he could see, and he knew the truth about God, then he went out on mission. He didn't wait. He didn't wait. And that's why Paul is talking to us in Romans 12 today about not waiting, but going. Figure it out. Figure out who you are in God and go. That's what he wants. And that brings us to our text a little more precisely today, where we're rescued and now we have this new life in Jesus, but yet we still suffer and we discover things about ourselves, lies that we believe, and we sometimes allow them to sideline us. But Paul wants to encourage us today. He doesn't want us to sit and be in morbid introspection. I'm going to tell you, honestly, that's one of my tendencies. I want to just sit and contemplate the word of God sometimes. And it feels so much better to just sit there and read instead of go out and do. But Paul is calling us to go out and do. And so in verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Remember the word therefore. He says, I appeal to you therefore. Therefore, the things that I said in chapters 1 to 11 about God's righteousness, because of his righteousness, and not because you deserved it, not because you were the great shakes, and God said, oh, I love these people, like in, like, in such a way like they're like, like the Kardashians. Ooh, these are awesome people. I want to rescue them because I want them on my team. No, because of God's goodness. Uniquely him. Uniquely not us. He chose us. He chose us. He chose to rescue us because of his righteousness and his perfect grace and his perfect love. So he says, by the mercies of God, by his perfect grace and his perfect love, through the perfect love of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection on the cross, He says, because of that, because of the great work that Jesus did for you, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's already telling us to start moving in a direction. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So in the days of the temple, there were different types of sacrifices. Some of the sacrifices were sacrifices that required blood. And so they shed blood of animals and stuff like that. And you know what? Jesus fulfilled that. Those were sacrifices for sin. And Jesus completely fulfilled that in us. Jesus actually completely fulfilled all the sacrifices through through his life, death, and resurrection. And so he calls us into this living sacrifice because in Christ now we are alive. We are made alive. And this act of sacrifice is an act of devotion to God. It means Paul is calling us to completely lay down our lives 
and give our lives to the mission of God. Jesus said so in, in, in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. He says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus is calling us to die to ourselves and live for him. Paul is just echoing that here. Don't be afraid to die. Remember the therefore. Because he said in Romans chapter 8, you cannot lose God. Because now in Christ, nothing separates you from the love of God. He says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In 38, 39, he says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are a lot of things going on in our hearts all the time. And when we're called out to go on the, on the mission of God, to bring the gospel forward to other people, all sorts of fears come into our hearts and we let them stop us from doing mission. I'm tired, I'm afraid, I'm lonely. I need to get better first. But God is calling, go out on the mission. Paul is saying, go out on the mission. You can't lose at all. You can only gain. You already have everything that you need in Christ Jesus. And he says, this living sacrifice is holy and acceptable to God, and it's your act of spiritual worship. He's saying that this is the appropriate response that fulfills your calling as a rescued person. Many times in Paul's, uh, Paul's uh, epistles, his books that he wrote to different churches, he talks about this uh, calling right? Fulfilling your calling. Live according to your calling. You are a rescued person. You are a saved person. Live according to that calling. And so he says in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul is saying, don't be conformed to this world. Well, back then there were obviously different influences that, that people were being drawn away from, idol worship, whatever it is. But that's no different today. We have Facebook, TV, movies, pop culture. We have all kinds of crazy philosophies. I hear about them all the time. Men make up, men, mankind, sorry, Women do it too. Uh, make up all kinds of crazy stuff. And I hear people all the time, oh, we got to believe in this and we got to believe that. And it's just so nuts. Paul is saying, don't conform to this world. He's not saying don't engage with this world. Guys, we're gonna, we, everybody we meet on the street every day is going to have something to say about something. Something that doesn't line up with the gospel. And it's okay to engage, and it's okay to love those people, and it's okay to have ways of talking uh, towards them about what's right and what's not. God wants to reconcile it all. So we have to consider, I'm not saying don't watch TV, don't watch movies, don't hear me say that. 
But remember how much of it influences your heart. That's what Paul is saying here. Think about how much you feed into it and it drives you. And conversely, are you, are you conforming to the ways of God? Are you reading his word? Are you feeding yourself with scripture? What influences you? Are you allowing the world to influence you? Or are you allowing the community of God to influence you? Are you allowing the mission of God to influence you? Are you allowing the word of God to influence you? That in 2 Peter, it says that God's word is sufficient for all of life. So are we letting the scripture, are we letting God influence us? And it's that influencing, it's that, it's that reading and engaging uh, with God's word and in God's mission and God's community that we are transformed. Because it's then, it's there that our hearts are revealed, as I said before, that our hearts, and we see what's, what's going on inside us and what we are acting out of unbelief and not seeing that we're blinded to, that God will show us, hey, look at this. You see what's going on here? And Paul is acting, saying to us that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is, the good, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word testing that you may discern, the, the word in Greek is dokimazine, which is not a passive testing, it's an active testing. You know, I know when we take tests in school, we write, you know, stuff on paper. This doesn't seem to be a lot of activity there, more brain function in that. But this is more like, you know, when you go, if you know anybody who has heart conditions, they send them to the hospital and they make them run on a treadmill. That's testing. That's active testing. But more importantly, Paul is saying, don't be afraid to go out on mission and your heart will be revealed by the things that you haven't been able to see, but by exercising God, the gifts that God gives you. We have suffering, suffering and brokenness. Our world, remember, we don't want to be influenced by the world. The world says that suffering is bad and it must be avoided. My heart says the same thing, but my heart's wrong. Suffering is a normal part of the Christian life. Weakness, our, our need for Christ, is a normal part of the Christian life. And it's through this sanctification process, the circumstances of life, that reveal our hearts and what we don't believe. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he says, But he said to me, Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We need to recognize our need for Christ and set out our mission knowing that he's going to give us his strength. Um, my wife and I are in, I don't want to, I can't say the middle anymore. By God's grace, we're at the end of a big move. Um, we... We uprooted our whole family, our, well, our house that I, we've, I've lived in for 14, 15 years, 14, 15 years of accumulated stuff, 14, 15 years of memories, uh, a whole city group and um, community. We just, we, we just decided by God's grace that there's another mission that God is calling us to, and so we want to go to that mission. Uh, we're moving to Dollar to uh, 
work through planting a church in French. Oui, j'ai prédiqué cette, j'ai prêché cette message il y a un mois. Look it up, Google Translate. You can do it. Okay, uh, I preached this in French about a month ago, actually. Um, and uh, in that, one of the things that I discovered, this is me using my gifting and going and following what God is calling me into on the mission of God and showing me my heart. What I saw, and look, it is this is kind of like a whole year trajectory. Last year, I found, I found that some of the efforts and the things that I was pursuing in terms of God's mission, things weren't working out the way I wanted them to, the way I had hoped they would. So, I started to become, well, started to become, I guess my cynicism that was already in my heart started to grow more and more. Things weren't working out. It kind of stems a little bit from that whole, not, not actually the hot dog story. It actually stems from something else where I learned in life that things just don't work out. And that's something in my heart that's wrong. Because Things just don't work out is directly against God works all things for my good. If God works all things for my good, then things always work out. Right? But my heart always says, oh, things don't work out. What am I going to lose today? I use that language a lot. Oh, I'm losing this. I'm losing that. And I don't see the blessings that God is giving me. And so in, in this transition of a move, God was working with me in that. He was working with me through this. He's working with me through the times that I'm counseling other people and I'm saying, you need to look at Jesus and see him as more beautiful than the thing that you see beautiful now. And I realized that that message is for me. It's in working out of your gifting it's in pursuing the mission of God that God reveals your heart and God revealed my heart. And I saw this ugly cynicism in my heart that really uh, revealed my unbelief and my lack of gratitude or lack of ability to be, uh, be happy for the things that God was giving me. As I was listening to Jesse this morning the talk about the blessings of God in his life, it's exactly that that I see from afar and I go, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had the joy that Jesse has for what God is doing in his life. This is something that I'm wrestling with. But as we're moving, I'm slowly beginning to see God work all of that out in different ways. We, who would have thought? We just, we, we're in the middle of this move. We, we have a mountain of boxes, by the way. It's incredible. In the middle of all this, my wife gets a job. That we were kind of hope that we were hoping for. We're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know? Oh, so many different blessings. We're meeting neighbors just like that. We're supposed to be meeting neighbors, but it's like amazing. We were just like, hey, and they're coming out of the woodwork. God's grace is just pouring off. Ten minute drive from my non-ministry. Uh, non uh, work. I work at FedEx. 10-minute drive from FedEx to home instead of an hour and a half for two hours, which has been this week. God's blessing. 
I get to celebrate that. I get to say, yay, this is awesome. What I want is to be able to be like Jesse, like a son of God and rejoice in what God is doing for me. And often my cynicism robs me of that. I just want to be a child of God. Like Jesus says, blessed are the children. Uh, have, Have faith like a child. It's awesome. It's an actively serving on mission and using the gifts that God gives us that we test our hearts. And this is what Paul uh, calls us into. Gosh, I'm, I'm starting to get a bit behind. Sorry. Verse three says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul is saying, Don't think too high of yourselves. It means discern your gifting. Discern what God has uh, wired you to do, okay? It means you have to actually go out and do it. You might try stuff. You might end up with my favorite, uh, my favorite analogy is the whole um, uh, American Idol thing where somebody gets up and says, yeah, I gotta sing. And they start singing. It sounds horrible. Who told you you could sing? And well, my mother told me. She says, I have the voice of an angel. But your mother lied to you. That could happen. But even if that does happen, Paul's saying, don't worry, you don't lose God. You don't lose God. So don't think too high of yourself, but by extension, Paul's also saying, don't think too low of yourself. Remember, you're rescued, and you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You can hold your head high knowing that you're rescued by God with a, a you could be a proud humility. You're there, you belong to God. Behave like you belong to God. Live like you belong to God. Boast that God is your God. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. And he says, uh, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It's not a quantity thing. Again, he's talking about gifting here. How has he gifted you? What has he given you? It's, it's, a, it's a here. This is what God gave you. This is what God gave you. This is what God gave you. According to that. And then he starts talking about how that gets worked out in the church. He says, for in verse four to five, he says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So each person has their role to play. So we don't have to say, oh, that looks like a cool role. I want to do what Micah's doing because that's awesome because that's not what God has called me into. I want to do what that person's doing. I don't have to do that because it looks cool because that's not what God has called me into. What has God called you into? What is your role? And I think that one of the things that we forget is that these gifts are given to us for the mission, but we tend to actually hide our gifts. When we're suffering, especially, we tend to stop them. We say, oh, well, I'm, I'm hurting right now. I really need to heal, and I can't do anything. But I don't, think, I don't see that in this text. 
I feel like God is saying, no, go do. I'm going to take care of you. Because there's other people who are exercising their gifts within the church that can come along and help you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, admonish the sinful, uh, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. He's telling the church to go and serve the church. So as you serve the church, someone else is going to come along and serve you. This is an outworking of the fact that God is with you through everything. He gives you a community to walk with you in this. And if you're feeling alone, come see us because we'll make sure that that isn't happening. We want you to be on mission in community with other people. We want you to do it healthily. Maybe you're doing it alone on purpose. Maybe we're failing. And if we are, we should be able to help you in that. If the church is working with all of its gifts, the gifts that God is giving, and I believe that God is giving a full complement of gifts in every church, then people will be helped. Shepherds can get help evangelists as they discover their blind spots. You know, teachers can... Uh, can other people can come alongside them and, and encourage them as they're, as they're preaching the word of God. Paul encourages us to exercise our gifts on mission. And if the, ju- the church is busy about discerning gifts regularly, then we can expect to be cared for on mission. And so Paul says finally in verses six to eight, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So he's saying let's use them. Let's use them, right? If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is not an exhaustive list. There are other gifts listed in um, other books in the New Testament. And I think that those aren't even exhaustive. Uh, and you know, worship is, is one of those things, leading worship, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's so many gifts, so many ways that God has gifted us in so many nuanced ways. God has wired you in a certain way so that you can go out and serve others and bring the gospel forward. It's a vehicle to bring the gospel. It's a vehicle to serve other people and help have them feel loved by God, the love of Jesus in their life. So they can say, oh, why is that? And then you tell them about Christ and what he's done for you. Why, what gifts do you have and what is your fear in exercising them? You say, oh, I'm afraid I might get hurt, but God is with you. Paul said so in Romans 8. I'm afraid to be rejected. Again, Paul said, I'm with, God is with you. I'm afraid to look stupid. Well, you know what? We're not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I do stupid things. But because Christ is perfect, because Christ, it, Christ's power works through our weakness, He will give you his power. You say, I'm suffering, but Jesus' grace is sufficient, Paul said. So on the one hand, because you're wired a certain way, your gift will propel you forward, but it will also serve to reveal your heart. And these are all opportunities to hear the gospel because it's so woven in everything we do as we work for the kingdom. 
the gospel will reveal what we don't believe and show us the truth that we need to see to move, continue moving forward. We don't want to cower. We don't want to hide. We don't want to close ourselves in our room and say, I don't want to get hurt anymore. We don't want to try to control our lives. God said, uh, Paul said, lay down your life as a living sacrifice. Give it all to God. And as God reveals your blind spots, you get to repent. And we get to behold Jesus who is righteous. He's going to transform us. Are we willing to lay down philosophies of man? Are we, laid, are we willing to lay down assumptions and, and, the, and lies that we've attributed to our lives and let Jesus transform us? He will give us the power to move forward on mission. And he will give others his power to come alongside and help you. So don't be afraid. Move forward. God is calling each of us to live according to the grace that has been given us in Christ Jesus. So let's go live it. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care about us so much that you do not want to leave us where we are, but you want to transform us. You want to renew our minds in your word and through your community by, the, by your grace through the gospel of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit dwell in us and, and cause us to stir and cause us to want to go out on the mission, on your mission, and serve others. And that we can look past the suffering and sin of our lives and see your glory and behold you. And see you as much more beautiful. And see you as much more gracious. And see you as much more powerful than anything else in this world. And that you alone have the power to change our lives. Come, Lord. Send your spirit on us. Be with us today. In Jesus we pray.